Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 69. In which we discuss who is Oliver's favorite parent. Oh, nice. <laughs> A little topical framing at the very top. But before we get there, we have... Mailbag! Wow, you guys, this is so exciting. This one comes from Marco, directly responding to our last discussion about parental pride. Here's what Marco says. Two things came to mind as helpful in the parental pride consideration. The first is what we want to communicate to our kids about what we value. Do we value a particular outcome? For example, good for you for getting an A, you're smart, or the process. For example, I appreciate how you really focus when preparing for this test. That kind of effort will be helpful in many areas of life. How do we want our kids to approach comparisons with others? Observing and embracing or being inspired by difference versus pushing for conformity or endorsing certain hierarchies. Less important but perhaps a useful frame is how to talk about our kids with other parents in such a way that is honest but also helpful and generous to others. I try not to take too much credit for the quote good things my kids do and I'd be careful what quote good things I attribute to genetics. More often I try to articulate observations and wanderings so as to make space for all kinds of variables and ways that my kids are bound to change and to not put too much emphasis on any one action, event, season, stage. Over time, we do begin to develop more established narratives for our kids and learn how to talk about those narratives with others, but starting with a more open observational posture helps in not getting on the wrong side of pride, I think. Sounds like we should have interviewed Marco for the podcast. It does. There's a lot. We could have an entire, I think, subsequent conversation about parental pride one thing that i appreciated was the the ways he broke it down into two things how you approach it with your kids and how do you approach it with other parents and i actually think that's a different discussion in some ways or an expanded discussion from the way we were talking about it last time because we were kind of talking about it internally how do you process the internal and he helpfully talked about the internal has real ramifications for how you communicate externally and uh, how we communicate about that to our kids and how we communicate about that to others. So I love that mailbag. I thought it was really helpful. Yeah. I think the part about wonderings and observations as yeah. opposed to, yeah, like concrete, oh, this is now who my kid is or what they do. It's really helpful. Yeah. I think that gives you a lot of flexibility and freedom. And your kid flexibility and right, freedom. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, especially kids are listening. So when you're talking about your kid with other parents, if they're mm, in the same room, like, point. they are hearing all those things. So I think to not box them in either yeah. is a really important and thing to be aware of. Well, thanks, Marco, for the wonderful mailbag. Friends, we invite you also to send in your mailbags. It could be on a topic we've discussed. It could be requesting a topic as well. Right? We would be willing to talk about something that someone requested. Definitely. I think we have maybe a little bit in the past. We're 69 episodes in. I, I don't remember. <laughs> Once, maybe. Once, maybe. Well, anyway, Tim's take at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Shall we dive into our conversation? Yeah. This, I jotted this down in our notes, I think, some time ago. And what I called it is the experience of being the preferred parent and it's this experience that both Rachel and I have had where something happens and Oliver can either only be consoled or only be made happy by one or the other parent it the most common version of this is one person trying to help him and Oliver wanting the other person and so I thought that's it's a really fascinating moment 
in a parent's life where they are trying to help and are completely unwanted. And so I thought we could talk about it. I mean, maybe we can just give a couple examples to help clarify what we're talking about. So typically in the mornings, Matt will get Oliver up and change his diaper and get him in his clothes. And then he'll hang out with me while you go and shower and get ready. And it's more often than not, at least recently, that when you come back in to get Oliver, he will say, no, Dada, go away. Yeah, I feel like it had been going strong that way and then it kind of died down and recently it's had a resurgence. (laughs) And then there's times where we're sitting at the dinner table and he wants more peaches and I'll get up to get more peaches. No, mama, dada. And he'll only let you get the peaches. I feel like the more common lately has actually been that he'll only let you give him food. Well, I become sort of the courier. (laughs) I have to go to the kitchen, get the food he wants and give it to you who can then give it to Oliver. Yes. I'm just trying to say that it does happen. Like he does have parental preference for both of us at different times. Totally. But it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I guess maybe initially, like how does it make you feel in the moment whether to be the chosen one or not the chosen one? Yeah, well, I don't know if this will surprise you, but as I thought about this, I was like, my feelings around this are really only positive, interestingly. So when I am the preferred parent, that's kind of it's kind of a nice feeling, you know? You're like, oh, they want to be with me. They want to play with me. They want me to do this thing for them. Not, not necessarily like, you're not delighting in it being at the expense of the other parent, but... It's like, oh, you feel kind of wanted. But as I kind of examined and thought about it, I was like, I don't really feel that bad when like I'm told to go away or to stay away. In fact, sometimes like that can be a bit of relief because you're like, well, <laughs> I just can't be responsible for this moment. Like I am not wanted here. And I've been a little surprised by that experience for me because I feel like there's some narratives i'd heard of sort of dads especially not Mm. being wanted by their children which felt like universally negative and some of that was dads in early like when the baby's first born not knowing kind of how to relate with a kid because it's so dependent on mom and i i get that but i even think of like we talked about the podcast dadville before john mclaughlin who's singer songwriter and also host of this podcast talks about waking his girls up every morning and he's like every morning I'm the one who wakes them up and I walk into their room and they just start screaming, no, mom, no. <laughs> and so, and of course that makes them feel awful, which I understand. But it did make me think, I wonder if the reason my feelings are only positive is just because Oliver is two years old. Like and if he was older, you might take it more personally. Exactly. Yeah. Like if he, if it was like, yeah, a seven-year-old saying no i want mom to do this i'd be like come on like you're now you're now old enough to know that there's no difference between her doing it and me doing it but so i feel like i'm kind of in a limbo with the preferred parent status i'm like yeah for now like either way i really either don't take offense or it's kind of nice but i can see a future version and i hate to even think about the teenage years where it feels much more cutting or he doesn't want either of us. <laughs> right. Well, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, the, that's a little long. But yeah, I'm curious kind of what your experience with it is like. Yeah, I was actually, I mean, I feel somewhat similarly. I think, yeah, being the 
chosen one in that moment can feel really special. And you're like, oh, he wants to spend time with me. Like often in the mornings when he says, go away, Dada, it's because he's having fun with me. Like we're playing in that moment. And so then he's like, oh, I want to keep playing. And that's special. I think I for sure enjoy that. And then, yes, there's times where he doesn't pick you. And it is a relief because, <laughs> because being the chosen one constantly, especially maybe at the dinner table. When the chosen one. I love that. <laughs> when you're like, I just want to take a few more bites of this food. Yeah. and But he is really big into now. Now! Oh, yeah, which we try not to give into too much. But I'm still like... And I, you're done. You eat way faster than I do. So it makes sense that you would go get the food. And then when he's like, no, mama, get it. You're just like, oh, come on, buddy. Like, help help us out here. And so we always try to reframe it. Like, all right, we're a team. Like, we do teamwork together. So daddy's going to get it. So we can do it together. And I don't know. I don't know necessarily the best way to handle it. But yeah, I think there are times where it can be a little exhausting to be the chosen one too. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Okay, here's a question that as we're talking about this comes up for me because as I think about this, we indulge the preferred parent a lot, like almost universally. Correct. Like, do you think that's good? Should we be pushing back against this? Well, I was reading an article about this in the New York Times. (laughs) Good. That ask some of these same questions. Hold on, I want to go on the record. I really did not know that Rachel read this article. I was not setting that up. This is just, wow, this is 68 episodes of podcasting under our belt. Yep. This is an article from March 2020 and says, why does my kid prefer my partner? Okay. And one of the things it says is to respect their preference as much as possible. Oh, okay. Because they're saying that really what they're trying to do as toddlers is assert their autonomy and part of their decision making and part of something they can control is saying I want mom or dad to do this and have preference and in in the grand scheme of things this isn't necessarily the worst thing to encourage now I was reading another article on Big Little Feelings oh yeah website and they said like I mean be flexible but at some point like you're allowed to have boundaries in terms of saying yeah like nope dad is gonna help mom with this mom can help dad do this the next time you know like if it really became an issue of oliver would only ever let you do bath time or something to say like nope we're gonna take turns and find a way to like establish and prepare them for that turn taking but oliver's things at least in this stage are so minimal it feels like and a little random and unpredictable random and unpredictable yeah it's not like every night he only lets you do this thing or only lets me do that thing Okay, I was going to say that those the combination of those two felt completely unhelpful because one was like, it's fine to let it be and it's part of their developing autonomy. And the other one was like, it's fine to have boundaries. I'm like, I don't understand how those two work together. But, but does that make a little more but sense? But I can understand when you're yeah. saying like, if it becomes sort of embedded patterns yeah, and your kid is losing the ability to be flexible... Yeah. Like then you might want to assert some boundaries and say, yeah, we, we're going to have multiple multiple people do this. But, but to honor them making decisions in a way that's not, you know, healthy to them or to us. Yeah. Is not the worst thing. Okay. I don't know. What do you think about that? <sighs> hmm. I'm processing. 
I guess my big question is when do you start exposing your kid to the real world? <laughs> I yeah. get I get the autonomy thing. It makes a ton of sense. Like that they are starting to assert themselves and like can have influence and then that's really he- healthy and I can even imagine ways that that contributes to secure attachment. Like I'm heard, I'm responded to, and I'm not claiming that this like you need to expose a 2-year-old to the realities of the world. But also at some point you do have to say you can want something and the world is not going to listen to you and maybe that's not the parents maybe that's that's not the parents role maybe the parent like gives them the place where they are well obviously not no like you're not going to listen to your kid on everything (laughs) but you know what i mean like i think that's i mean i think there's a way to do it like in the mornings when he wants to spend more time with me to say okay oliver mom can play with you for one more minute and then daddy needs to help because it would be unrealistic for you to just then like come out here and eat breakfast by yourself and me to like never shower and just play with Oliver all morning. So I I do think there's a time to introduce like, yeah, again, we've talked about this before. Oliver, we love you. We want to support you, but we are not here to like solely serve you as our only master. And I think that's good for him to know like we have needs too and there are things that have to happen. But I think there's a way to do that and also kind of lean into okay, like, if you really want mom to change your diaper right now, like, we don't need to have a battle over it. Mom can change your diaper, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I I think the thing, this is like every conversation we have, always comes back to active discernment. And then I'm always like, man, parenting is so hard. <laughs> because you're constantly like, take, yeah, having well, to figure it out. <laughs> like, if you're not completely checked out, the level of intention that you are always engaging with, even if it's not sort of, process consciously is so high it's like just quite a thing yeah but you know what most of life is that way like we can't we can't really move through life on autopilot effectively (sighs) well interesting yeah so neither of us are particularly offended by it which i'm glad for that in this season there are times where it's great to be the chosen one and sometimes where it's exhausting when do you think the tipping point is? Of when it would start to be offensive? Yeah. Like, what age do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it feels hard. I'm going to guess... I guess, like, between four and five. Yeah. And, again, the repetitive nature it, of it would start to wear on you. I think even now, if he always refused to let one of us do something, that would start to get, like, ooh, that doesn't feel great. Why oh, are you doing that? Yeah. I also think of our friends who are like their kid language a little bit further. Kids older by about a year. But we'll say when like one parent does something that they don't want. You're not my best friend. Yeah. That's Mom all is my thing. best friend, which I'm like, oh, OK, I can see like even knowing how ridiculous that is. Like when language is attached to it, like I, that could cut. Yeah, even Oliver, I mean, you said we didn't really experience this a ton when he was little. It never felt like he had massive parental preference. Yeah. But once he was able to get language and could say, no, go away, that it does start to take on a yeah, different tone. Sure. Well, maybe you have heard stories of the preferred parent. Maybe you've experienced it. We'd be curious about your experience. How do you feel about it? What was the age? If you're a parent, was there an age where suddenly it felt much more offensive much more personal <laughs> much more personal let us know timstake at gmail.com 
Do you have any other stuff, Rachel? Why don't you go first? I'm oh. curious what you're going to go with. Okay, I'm just going to hit two things real quick. One is just a story. I recently went on a trip, and the backstory is that my dad is Australian, and so regularly calls Oliver mate, me mate. Just it's part of part of Australian language. <laughs> anyway, you know that. But when he's saying goodbye, he'll say see you mate, and Oliver started saying that and saying it in a bit of an Australian accent too. Well, actually not a bit of like a extreme Australian accent. It's very strange. See you, mate. That's that's like Oliver's version. So we usually say it when we say goodbye to my parents and but I'm about to go on a trip and we're putting him down for bed. And Oliver has never said this at bedtime before and never said it since. But he looked up at me as I'm putting him down in his crib and he says, see you, mate. Oh. And it was like gosh beautiful and rachel and i are both like walking out wiping our eyes it was just so sweet it was such a sweet kind of his way of saying like i know you're leaving i'll see you soon so that's one of my other stuff it doesn't fit in kind of a topic conversation but i wanted to share it the other one is just this tweet from lucy huber at cl hoobs on twitter we'll link to the tweet and it just felt so real because we are in the midst of a heat wave and trying to both be mindful of screen time and tell Oliver we can't go outside is just brutal. Here's her tweet. The worst thing about kids crying about you not letting them watch TV is how quiet they would be if you let them watch TV. Gosh, it's so tempting. I'll read it just one more time because I know this is audio medium. The worst thing about kids crying about you not letting them watch TV is how quiet they would be if you let them watch TV. It's so true. It's so true. (laughs) All right. Do you have any other stuff? Well, this is just a little personal family excitement. We are getting our backyard renovated. Oh, yeah. And this has been in the process since April, May. And there are actually workers workers here. And it's very exciting because we've been waiting for them for a long time. So it's happening. We're just... I just feel like it will be transformative in terms of our outdoor space. I mean, there's no doubt. But one particular really cute thing about it, we've kind of been saying the last couple of weeks when we thought maybe they were coming with Oliver, we would say, oh, no workers today. Boo. And he'll throw his head back and groan. And it's so cute. And then the other day, the workers showed up and neither you or I noticed that they were here. And nope. he Oliver, was in the front room. Oliver was in the front room and he was looking out the window and he goes, Mom. Dad, mom, dad, workers here. <laughs> workers mean, come here. <laughs> it was just this cutest like family like thing that we were all experiencing together of like the not having it happen and then it happening and him recognizing that we would be like excited for that. And it was just so cute. It was. It was great. And our backyard is going to be very exciting. Yeah. One day soon, hopefully. Well, that was a fun episode. That was. Thanks, Rachel. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your tea steak. <laughs> <laughs>